Is the United States already at war with China and we just don't know it? Some might say that this idea is ridiculous. How can one country not know that it's at war with another? That is the subject of this podcast in the ancient art of modern warfare. Welcome, I'm Chris Mayer. These podcasts present the fundamentals of war for everyone. To see through the ever-changing appearances of warfare and understand its unchanging nature. In this century, this new millennium, we often hear catchy names to describe how warfare is changing in revolutionary ways. These include hybrid warfare, composite warfare, and the very tech-savvy sounding fourth-generation warfare. They each express the same basic premise, that warfare is no longer limited to armed forces facing each other on a battlefield. Moving on from Clausewitz's assertion that war is an act of force to compel our enemy to do our will. War is now a matter of all means, military, economic, diplomatic, and information, to compel the enemy to accept one's interests. In China, this new way of war became known as unrestricted warfare. In a book of that same name, published by the People's Liberation Army in 1999, the authors describe environmental warfare, financial warfare, trade warfare, cultural warfare, legal warfare, ecological warfare, and more. In fact, it describes 24 different kinds of warfare, only a third of which are considered military. The authors propose that these different kinds of warfare should be mixed as a cocktail, appropriate to the objective of the particular war. This too is nothing new, and the authors cite both Alexander the Great and the Chinese King Wu of three millennia ago of having practiced it. Techniques within these war forms include assassination of key economic leaders, bribery and corruption of politicians and political processes, stock market speculation, and getting economic control of foreign media outlets. When fighting is appropriate, only use minimal military strength applied at the time and place where it is necessary and decisive. The authors describe this use of all measures of power to achieve national interests as Beyond Limits Combined Warfare. By the way, the book is available for download on the web as a PDF document. Just search for Unrestricted Warfare. I strongly recommend reading it. Now, none of these ideas are really new. In addition to Alexander and Wu, the authors also cite Thucydides, Machiavelli, Bonaparte, Nelson, Sherman, and Fuller. Clausewitz also described this idea. His full statement was that war is the continuation of political intercourse with the addition of other means. War itself, he continued, does not suspend political intercourse or change it into something entirely different. In essentials, that intercourse continues. Warfare does not displace the use of other elements of national power, it augments them. These elements work in concert to achieve the overarching policy that war is intended to achieve. In World War II, all sides employed all of these means and methods, or tried to, and many of these features were all too common in the Cold War between NATO and the Warsaw Pact. So, these ideas were not new. They were just forgotten, while new technologies and globalization were making non-military means of waging war even more effective. The difference between Clausewitz and these allegedly new forms of warfare is that beyond limits combined warfare is going on while the opponent doesn't even realize that they're at war. This is another new idea that's really very old. 
Two millennia ago, the Chinese philosopher of war Sun Tzu said, If one party is at war with another, and the other party does not realize it is at war, the party who knows it is at war almost always has the advantage and usually wins. So much for theory. The real question is whether the People's Republic of China, the PRC, is practicing it. Evidence indicates that it is. Officially, the Chinese Communist Party leadership is committed to a strategy of rejuvenation, enabling the PRC to achieve what it considers its rightful leadership place in the world. Practically, this rejuvenation and assumption of a rightful place is necessary for China. PRC policy is that of continued economic growth, which requires China to expand its global access to markets for its manufactured goods and to secure the resources necessary to make those goods and sustain its people. The Chinese Communist leadership perceives this growth as a zero-sum game. Therefore, they are convinced that their country is engaged in an existential competition with the United States. China's leadership perceives that America poses unique hard power threats in the form of U.S. military and economic might. The PRC believes that the more serious threat, however, is what it calls subversive U.S. ideas and concepts about individual rights and freedoms, as well as romanticized Western-style democratic political institutions. Chinese Communist Party strategy, therefore, orients on the twin objectives of promoting China's economic growth while simultaneously restricting or diminishing American economic power. To that purpose, China integrates its global economic growth program, known as the Belt and Road Initiative, with diplomatic engagement and a tightly controlled information campaign that exploits the strengths and weaknesses of the global information environment. China's short-term objectives are fragmenting the cohesion of democratic countries, severing alliances and partnerships with the United States, and ultimately displacing the United States' access to resources and markets. It's worth noting that the People's Liberation Army is tasked by the Communist Party with securing the Belt and Road Initiative. Not what you might expect from a purely peaceful endeavor. Certain techniques described in unrestricted warfare are already in play. Here are just a few examples. Financial warfare using coercive economic practices that secure the submission of Belt and Road Initiative governments through corruption and debt bondage. Information warfare to silence foreign critics, including Americans, of its policies towards Hong Kong, the Uyghurs, and its own culpability in the current pandemic. Infiltration and coercion of Western education institutions. The PRC's official military-civil fusion policy, which, by law, requires all Chinese companies to collaborate with the People's Liberation Army in gathering intelligence. These are aside from the Chinese Communist Party's well-known and continuing information attacks on the U.S. and European information systems, including the information systems of the Pentagon. We may not be at war with China, but it's clear that the PRC is at war with us. In May 2019, the Office of the Secretary of Defense published specific security threats presented by Chinese activities, mostly through its Belt and Road Initiative. These threats include loss of critical natural resources, loss of basing rights, 
threats to freedom of navigation, the spread of hostile military forces, and the proliferation of military hardware and training that will undermine the peace and stability of Belt and Road Initiative target regions. We can win this war. The American people hold a critical, asymmetric advantage over the PRC. The soft power threats the Chinese Communist Party fears are, in fact, our greatest strengths. Freedom of expression, freedom of the press, open markets. The free exchange of information and ideas in particular is an extraordinary competitive advantage, a great engine of innovation and prosperity. To win, however, first requires that we recognize and admit that we are at war. A war of ideas, a war of economies, a war for the freedom and development of the developing world, a war to preserve our own most cherished values. If we win those wars, we may never have to test our military strength against China. If we lose those wars, the military contest will not matter. <laughs>